You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Well, you saw what the title uh, is for the theme for the church for this fall, and uh, I'm excited that the elders have chosen that as a way for us as a church and for the Church of Jesus Christ to uh, have a specific focus as we think about the things we need to be grounded about. And uh, so today, we're going to be taking a look at one of those topics. You're going to find it in Hebrews chapter 12. So if you've got your Bibles, I get them out, open them up to Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, we're going to talk about being grounded, focused on Christ. Grounded, focused on Christ. Again, in the midst of all of the things that are going on and all of the struggles of COVID and family and work and church and all the rest, like what do we need to get our eyes fixed on? What do we need to get focused on so that Christ can carry us through this time in our lives? And so as a foundational message to the whole theme through the fall, um, we want to be focused on Jesus Christ. If we get that wrong, we're going to get it all wrong. If we get our eyes focused on things, if we get our eyes focused on our job or on our family or the anxieties that are around us, if we get our eyes uh, focused on online stuff, we get, we get focused on so many screwy things when we need to get our focus on to Jesus Christ. And so uh, that's what we want to talk about today. And uh, just uh, before I dive into that, I want to... Uh, um, thank you for the privilege to come and open God's Word. Thankful uh, for the elders and the church here and the privilege that I have to serve alongside of them um, along in this journey. As the uh, Canadian Regional Director for GCC, uh, our role to help your church is not to come in and take over. Our job is to come and support and encourage and help. The elders in the church will make the decisions moving forward, but how can we cheerlead? How can we help? Uh, can I come and preach a few times? Whatever we can do to support your church, uh, that's what we want to do, and we're thankful already for what's going on. Um, I was uh, on the call on Wednesday night and heard the update, and again, just so thankful for the way that God continues to work in his church. He's not, not leaving us in the ditch, right? A God is working for um, his glory. So, all right, back into Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews is a great book in the New Testament. It really talks about the, sup the supremacy of Christ. It talks about the fact that he is better. He is better than your plans. He is better than your ideas. He is better than any other way that's out there. He is better. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, this book is a, a great help for believers who are in the middle of the battle. Uh, there was struggle going on for them. It was a difficult time for them. Um, I remember as a kid, um, Hebrews 10, uh, 24, um, being used as a, a little bit of a weapon in my hardened heart for why I needed to go to church. And, uh, and so, you know, it was quoted like this, um, and let us not consider how to stir up one another to love and good work, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day um, drawing near. Um, don't neglect meeting together. Don't neglect meeting together. So as a, a rebellious teenager, my parents were like, you got to go to church. Don't neglect meeting together. Don't neglect meeting together. I probably needed to hear that. But that's not really what the text was about. This text was about a group of people who were struggling. Um, there was pressure being put on them. We're going to see in our text today, not yet to the shedding of blood, 
But it was hard. And, and they were like, yeah, I don't think I want to go to church anymore. Uh, I don't think I want to meet together because of the pressure that's put on me by my family, the pressure that's put on me by my employer, the things all around me that are stirring me up and calling all this, causing all this angst in my life. And, and, and so in Hebrews 10, it's like, no, no, don't neglect. This is an important thing that we do when we worship together. And, uh, and so that's a little bit, just a little bit about the book. It's an amazing book, especially the first a few tra- chapters as you see um, who Christ is. Um, but then we go on and we just see some really practical and helpful teaching. And so uh, today we want to take a look at Focused on Christ. So Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, something I used to love to do in Markham was have people stand as we read God's Word. So can I invite you to do that? I want to honor the Lord as we read His Word. And uh, I'm going to read from Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Uh, Lord, this is your word. And we pray that as we just walk through this text this morning, you would open our eyes to see, taking a fresh look at Jesus Christ, how awesome he is, the, the work that's been accomplished as we will come to communion uh, in just a few moments, Lord, as we will come to communion and, and remember uh, the body and remember the blood of Christ, Lord. Would you, would you teach us in our daily lives how we need to get our focus off of so many of the things that distract us and get our eyes fixed, focused on Jesus Christ? So, Lord, do what only you can do through the power of uh, your Spirit working through your Word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, you can take your seats. There's four or five things we want to take a look at this morning as we look at this text. Here's the first thing. When we are grounded, when we are grounded, focused on Christ, we will take time to remember. We will take time to remember. The passage starts off with one of those therefores that we find in Scripture. Therefore, since we have been surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Uh, the word therefore appears three times um, in this text, and, and as you, you want to do a little extra study later on in the day or later on in the week, um, you could take a look at them. The uh, first one is in verse 1. We're going to talk about it today. The second one is uh, found in verse 12. You know, when you're struggling, when you're not sure you can go on, when you get your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, then in verse 12 it says, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight path for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Therefore, therefore, lift up, focus on Christ, lift up those drooping hands and strengthen your weakened knees. And then the last one is in the second last verse of the chapter. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So three times that word uh, happens. We're only going to take a look at it once really in this message, and that's in verse 1 as we, 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 we focus on remembering. We need to remember. Um, remembering is so important in the Christian faith. 
It's important for us to look back and see how God is working, see what God has done, see what he has accomplished. It's so important for us to go back and remember our salvation, remember how God took us through the difficult time. And that's actually, Lord willing, I'll be back next week, and we're going to go back to chapter 11, which is the hall of faith, if you want to call it. It's just going through all of these people who are great people of faith. And, uh, and so as, as the writer of Hebrews wrote it, he wrote about that, and then he says, therefore, therefore, and then get your eyes fixed on Christ. And so I wanted to go, if that was important to him, let's do that, and then we're going to go back and take a look at that next week and take a look at some of those characters and who they were. They weren't perfect people. They weren't people who had it all figured out. They were people who struggled just like we do in our walk in faith. I, I picked three. Um, Noah, in chapter 11, verse 7, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his, of his household. Uh, by this, he condemned the world and became an heir to the righteousness that comes by faith. Can you imagine being him and what God was asking him to do? Build a ship, build a ship. No one had ever built a ship like this before. There was no need for a ship like this before. The pressure that he was under, why don't you, you're just an idiot. What do you think you're doing? And yet he was faithful, but he wasn't a perfect man. We see even after the flood and they come out and he has a major failure in his life. And yet he was a great man of faith. So if you think you're on the sideline and God can't use you, I've messed it up too bad. Uh, that's not true of you. Um, that's one. Here's another one in uh, chapter 11 and verse 11. Uh, we learn about Sarah. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. And so we uh, see this woman who was too old to have a child and yet by faith, God in the power conceived and a child was born and his kingdom would move on. And here's a third one, Abraham, um, in chapter 11, verses 17 to 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, though Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. And so we have this man, man, Abraham, who's called to offer his son and is ready to give his son's life up in obedience to God, and God delivers. And, and so we come to chapter 12, and he says, therefore, since we are surrounded, therefore, since we are surrounded, um, the, the idea here is not that... Um, these guys are in heaven watching us. That's not really what the idea of the text is. The idea of the text is we can stop and watch them. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, take a look at them. See what God has done in their lives. See how God uses imperfect people. See how when we get our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, God can use you as well. And so if we're going to be people of God grounded, focused on Christ, according to this text, the first thing is, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Um, well, then what? Well, look as the text goes on. When we are grounded, focused on Christ, we will act responsibly. If you're focusing on Christ, 
your reaction will be to act responsibly. It says in the, in, the, in the word here, so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Um, that word, the things that cling to us, the things that cling to us. I thought, you know, maybe we need to kind of get the idea of things that cling and why we want to get rid of them in our lives. Um, there's other times in my life when I weighed significantly more than I do now. And unfortunately, unfortunately, I think I've put on the COVID-15. I don't know about you, but it's been tough. And so you put on a shirt and you're kind of like, oh, I don't like the way it touches me. I just don't like that right? And so, so it's like, now don't judge me today, okay? I'm working on it. I'm trying to get this dealt with in my life. And I can see it in your own eyes. You feel guilty about these same things, right? Um, but things that cling to you, it's just like, ugh, I just don't like that. Um, we're going to get rid of these things. That's the picture he's given, um, where you get pushed into the lake and you come up and your shirt all of a sudden is just like clinging to you. And I got to get this thing off. It's just driving me crazy. Or, or, or how about this? Um, a clingy person. You all have one in your life. Somebody who just, they're just always on you and they're just clinging. And uh, you're like, stop, right? Give me some space. Or for those of you moms and dads with children, you, you're trying to you know, prepare a meal and there's this, there's this little rug rat just hanging off of your leg the whole time and they won't let you get done what you need to do. Uh, I, we were talking with some friends of ours this week and they actually put a gate in their kitchen to keep the clingy children out during meal preparation time, right? So, so you get the idea that's going on here, right? He's talking about things that cling, and we want to get rid of them um, in our lives. Well, the things that cling to us, according to this text, are every weight and sin. Every weight and sin. We want to lay these aside. We want to get rid of these in our lives. If, if we are going to um, get our focus on Christ, then we need to act responsibly, get rid of the things that cling. But this is important. Everything that clings is not sinful. But there's still things we need to deal with. So he calls these weights. He calls these weights. Um, and he says we need to get rid of them. We need to put them aside I wrote this down, but there are also things that may not be sin, every weight, but are merely hindrances that can keep us from running effectively the race of God. Um, I've got some of those in my life. I have to work. I, my phone is a clingy thing. Um, and uh, this past week has been an interesting week. It's been lots of things going on in our lives, trying to work some things through and all the rest. And I just took certain times in my day when Sue and I went for a walk or whatever. I'm like, I'm not even taking my phone with me. If somebody dies, they're going to have to wait to hear back from me until I get back, right? My iPhone can be a thing that clings to me. Maybe yours is. You're more attached to it than you are to your family. You're more attached to it than you are to your relationship with God. It, it clings to you. It's not sinful in and of itself, but it clings. Uh, maybe it's your computer. Uh, maybe it's Facebook. Um, maybe you're just so wound up in what's going on and you find yourself getting so wound up in what's going on and you spend more time in Facebook than you do in your Bible. Like that's not a good sign for you in your life. It's a clingy thing. It's not an evil thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not necessarily a sinful thing, although it could become that. Um, Facebook, Instagram, texting, email, Here's one. How about your online presence? That can be a, a, a weight. Um, you're reading too many things about too many people. And if I, need, if I hear another opinion about masks, I think my head's going to explode. It's like, 
can we just stop it, right? Like, can we just have love for one another? Can we just have grace for one another? Can we just, we're all experts in this because we all like the people that we read and they all keep changing their minds about every two weeks about what's going on, right? Um, so can we just extend grace? I love the way the announcement was made at the beginning. Just have grace for each other. Allow God to take care of us. Be wise in what you do, but can we have that masks? Okay, enough about that. Um, one of the things that uh, I found that we could be a weight in our lives is um, becoming comfortable staying home from church. Um, that could be a weight for you. Um, I'm not speaking about your church. I'm working with pastors right across our nation, and pastors like that, we don't even know who really comes to our church anymore. And uh, you know, if, you're, if you're willing to go to the restaurant and you're willing to go and do all the other things, then, then be willing to come to church, right? You're, you're, you're going to be further away from people in church than you are at Walmart or at you know, wherever else you go. And, so, and that's not a rebuke. I believe there are people with health concerns. Like, I had a heart attack uh, three years ago, and so Sue and I have been trying to figure this all out and what we do in all of that. And so have grace, but don't get comfortable having church at home in your pajamas, right? Coming together is an important thing to do. But then, for those of us who are here who are comfortable to do that, have grace. Have grace. It can become a clingy kind of thing. And uh, so he talks about every weight. And as I said, there's all kinds of them. But the things that are in your life, they may not be sin, but they're clinging to you. And they're keeping you from keeping your eyes fixed on Christ. That's, he says, get rid of those things. Deal with those things in your life. And then he goes on and he says, and the sin. Get rid of the clingy things, the weights, and the sin. I love the verse in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 to 5. Um, we tend to use the first part of the verse, but then not so much the second part. Um, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and 5 to 5 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. We usually stop reading at that point. And it's true. God's will for you is to be growing up in Jesus Christ. Not what I used to be, not what I will be, um, but, but moving forward in our walk with Christ. This, it's God's will for you. It's never God's will for you that you live in sin. It's never God's will for you that you, you just hover around neutral. It's never God's will is that we move forward. But that's not where the verse ends. It says that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know, who do not know God. Um, and so he says, if you want to be focused on Christ, you've got to deal with the sin in your life. And I, and I don't know what the sin is in your life. I don't know what the temptation is in your life. There are obviously some very unnatural things that the Bible talks about. Sexuality is one of them, covetousness. There's all kinds of different things, pride of life and arrogance and all of those things. He goes, hey, if you want to get focused on Christ, you've got to get those things dealt with in your life. So what is it in yours? What is it in mine? If we want to be focused, if we want to be grounded, if we want to be Christ first in our lives, what is that thing for you? What does that look like? What do you, before you have communion today, need to, in a spiritual sense, get on your face before God and confess your sin so that you truly can be right with him? Not that you're, you're going to be perfect and you're never going to have to get on your face again. I'm getting on my face like every day because of things that come up in my life. But, but if we are going to walk grounded, focused on Christ, you've got to deal with the weight. 
and you got to deal with the sin. Well, here's the third thing he talks about in the text. When we are grounded, we will live disciplined. When we are grounded, we will live disciplined lives. So let's see the text again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Sorry, that's the part. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Um, I don't remember if I said this the last time I was here, but like I, as an athlete back in my prime, which like was way too long ago, but um, I was never a long distance runner. I was a sprinter, that kind of stuff. I loved hockey. I loved games that you went hard and then stopped and hard. And I, I wasn't good at soccer because I'd be wheezing as about a third of the way back down the field. And that just wasn't, but the Christian life is a race. It, 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 has a, it has a goal. It has a, you're going for something and, and we are to run in it. And racing is not something you do passively. It's something that you do actively. And so he talks about this race and he talks about how we will do it with endurance. Um, that is not the idea of, of just patience, which sits around and accepts things. But it's, it's, it is endurance that, has, that masters the ability to stick with it and keep on going. Um, and so he tells them in this text that you will live with endurance. You will run a race. You will do it with endurance. In Acts 20, 24, Paul speaks of my race. Um, talks about the race that he has to run and he, how he will do it um, with endurance. When I think about him, I think about this man who on the, on the road to Damascus was confronted with his need for Christ and all that he had done and, and spends the rest of his life seeking to live his life for Christ and spends most of it in prison and all of the rest of it. And, and yet he doesn't give up. He endures and he trusts the Lord and he asks God to help him. And um, that word race um, has the idea of um, conflict or struggle. Um, he uses it in different ways in, in uh, Philippians, back in Philippians chapter uh, 1 and verse, um, and verse 30, it, uh, it says this, um, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had near and here that I still have. And so that word race in that text is, um, is translated as conflict. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have, have not seen me face to face. And so in that text, he uses this idea of, of being um, in a struggle. And so we are called to this race, a call that's going to be to endurance, a, a call that's going to be to going on, a call that's going to be to a struggle, a call to that's going to be a conflict. Hey, it's North America. We lived in North America. Being a Christian in North America has for so many years been so easy. No cost, really. You could do whatever you want. You could say whatever you want. And, and as long as you didn't really weren't too obnoxious, people would just leave you alone. That world is changing. But, but that's what we've been called to. That's what Scripture has always called us to. We've never been called to a life of ease. We've been called to a life that's going to be filled with struggle, and it's not going to be easy, and it's going to cost us. And true followers of Jesus Christ are going to endure in the conflict because of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. And we will live these disciplined 
Wives, we will live lives that are disciplined in the race, not giving up, enduring because of what's been done for us and what is coming for us. And so if we are going to be focused on Christ, we will remember. We will act responsibly. We will live disciplined. Now here's the next one. And this is really where we get to the text about the focus part. When we are grounded, focused on Christ, we will focus on Jesus. That's verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In the New American Standard Version, it says it, says it this way. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Focused on Jesus. Um, This idea of looking to Jesus, okay, it's not just, okay, there you are, right? That, that's true. But this idea of fixing your eyes or focused on Jesus is I'm taking my eyes off of all of these other things. I, I'm, it's not just this, but it's this as well. Focused on Jesus, the, the, the Greek word is really, I'm changing my focus. I'm taking my focus off of something else and putting my focus onto uh, Jesus Christ. It has a much fuller meaning. It doesn't, it doesn't just mean looking to, it means looking away from something. And uh, so what do you find yourself all built up and all find all the anxiety and the angst going on in your life? And he's saying here, hey, 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 you got to get your eyes off of some of those things. You got to turn your phone off, stop watching the news all day long, stop whatever your thing is and get your eyes onto Jesus. Does it mean we live in ignorance of those things? No, of course not. But don't let those things rule in your heart. Don't let those things rule in your life. Get your eyes fixed on Jesus. Jesus. So what are you primarily focused on these days? I remember when COVID first started, I, um, you know, some idols in my life started to get really revealed to me that I needed to deal with. Uh, it wasn't toilet paper for me. Some of you it was. Some of you had enough toilet paper till Jesus comes back, right? It's like, really? Like, that's what you were worried about, right? Um, anyways, but I had my own stuff, right? And, and some of you did too. You found yourself anxious and you had more hand wipes in your house or more alcohol rub to keep your hands clean or more, you had more soup cans in your life than you've ever had in your life before because you thought, and you were fixed eyes on so many other things. Um, and that's just one a little illustration of it. Um, maybe um, moving out of COVID, maybe your eyes are always fixed on your job. Always. How do you know? Because that's what you think about all the time. When you get home, your wife's like, are you even here? Right? Or, or, and you're like, what? what? And you're, you're just so distracted, and, and your job is your God. And somehow you lost your eyes fixed on Jesus a long time ago, and, and getting ahead, and getting a promotion, and getting a bigger house, and getting a, all of those things. And, uh, and this text is like, stop, stop it. Is it wrong to work hard? Of course not. If you, you don't work, you don't eat, the Bible says. So, but, so we got to do those things. 
But what's the primary thing in our life? What's the primary focus in my life? When you're in a difficult season, when you're feeling attacked, when you're struggling, when you're in spiritual warfare, when, when somebody's pushing you, do you, are you on the, oh, I can fix this, I can get this done plan, or are you on the, Jesus help me because this is going to go bad if you don't step into this. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Um, looking to Jesus. Look to him. Maybe your eyes are fixed too much on your family and you're so fixated on your family that you're trying to do and manipulate all of the things so that, and you haven't spent 20 minutes praying for your kids in five years. Um, Fix your eyes on Jesus. Um, Maybe it's just doing good things. I just want to do good things for people. I just want to... See, when your eyes aren't fixed on Jesus, things like this come out, right? What's not fair? What's happened to me is not fair. It's not fair. What do you mean it's not fair? You don't deserve any grace. Well, the grace is poured out to you is poured out to you because of who Jesus Christ is. Life's not fair. I used to say that to our kids all the time. Life's not fair, and then you die. Um, not sure it was the greatest parenting tip I ever had in my life, but it was just try to help them understand that life is going to be filled with difficulty. And if we get our lives fixed on all of those things all the time and not fixed on Jesus Christ, it's not going to be fulfilling for us. It's not going to be helpful for us. It's not going to take us to a good place. So he says, get your eyes off of those other things and get your eyes onto Jesus Christ. Every day, opening God's word. Every day, uh, on your face before the Lord, crying out to him. Every day, going, Lord, if you don't come through, this isn't going to go well for us. Help us. I think about your church. Um, I, as I said, I was on the call on Wednesday. I was so encouraged by that. And I trust you saw it and, or were there. Or if you haven't, you need to. And just get an update so that you can pray more effectively for what's going on. But I was encouraged in that. But we need to be thinking as a church as we search for staff and search for a new senior pastor and, and a building. And like this is a provision of God and we need to be thankful for that. But this provision is going away at some point. And um, are our eyes fixed on Jesus or are our eyes fixed on, oh no, what are we going to do? Oh no, what are we going to do? God has provided for your church every way, every step along the way. What makes you think he's going to stop now? That's why you look back right? You get your eyes fixed on Jesus. Sue and I were, I came in yesterday to St. Catharines, and we were driving down to go for a walk down by the lake, and as we're driving, I go, well, there's Eden High School. I remember I was there once for a service, and I remember hearing the story about the rain and all the rest, and this morning was a little bit of prophecy or memory of all of that as we, we think about how God has provided for you as a church, and so get your eyes on the God who is the provider. Get your eyes on Jesus Christ who will bring the provision for you. Fix your eyes on Jesus. It says, who for the joy that was set before him. Think about that. Right in the middle of this text. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, so what was the joy that was set before him? It sure wasn't going to the cross. That wasn't joy. There was no joy in going to the cross. There was no joy in enduring the shame. The the way a person hung on a cross, the way they'd be stripped naked, the way they would be there hanging, can't breathe, gasping for breath, despising the shame of the people who were around him. He endured all of that. Why? Well, so you could have salvation. So you could have the gift of eternal life. 
He did that despising the shame. And what, well, here's the joy. is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, what Christ accomplished and, and is done, the work is finished, now that he sits at the right hand of the throne of God and the work of salvation for us is accomplished, um, we need to be people of God who are focused on Jesus. Um, the shame that, that Jesus suffered. Um, uh, Daniel talks about that kind of shame in Jan Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. Um, he talks about the aspects of horror and Jesus bore all of that hellish shame to accomplish my redemption. Jesus bore a shameful accusation. Jesus bore a shameful mocking. Jesus bore a shameful beating. Jesus wore a shameful crown. Jesus wore a shameful robe. Jesus bore shameful, all of that for us. For us. And then he died. And then he rose again, proving he was who he said he was so that by faith alone, in Christ alone, through God's grace and by his mercy, we could have salvation in Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you're watching and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, consider him. Consider him who did all of these things for you. And receive the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. For by grace you're saved through faith, not yourselves. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. How could it possibly be that easy? Because there's no other possible way. You don't deserve this. You don't earn this. This is what God did pouring out his love for us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus Christ did this for you and trust him for your salvation. Uh, our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Um, what an amazing gospel. And that's why for us as followers of Jesus Christ, we got to get our focus on that. Get your focus off of all of that other stuff. And as I say that, I don't want you to think, well, he's just beating up on us. No, no, I beat myself up with this message this week already as I thought about some things I'm wrestling through and I'm trying to think, well, how can I do that? And it's like, who do you think you are? Let Jesus Christ take care of these things. Let him do his work. Yes, do what God calls you to do and be faithful in doing it, but... God helping us, let us get us focused on Jesus Christ. And then after all that work is done, it says he sat at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's the last thing. It's found in verse 3. We will be grounded by what is accomplished or in what is accomplished. Um, verse 3 says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Consider him who endured. Who endured what? Who endured what you caused. Right? It says it right in the text. Consider him who endured from sinners. That's you. That's me. So you consider, you consider, you think about it, you weigh what Christ has done, what he has accomplished. And, you know, it says in, in verse 4, you haven't struggled to the point of blood yet. You haven't struggled. It's been hard but it could be worse. You haven't gone through what Jesus went through. So, so consider him. Consider him. Why? So that you won't grow weary or faint-hearted. So here's a word for you as the church. You're in a difficult season. It is a difficult season. 
Life is filled with difficult seasons. So why do you focus on Jesus Christ during this time? Well, it says it right in the text, so that you will not grow weary or faint-hearted. In other words, that you won't go, I give up. It's all over. So you want, to be, you want to be in the battle at the end when you see the victory and you see what God does and how he works in all of this and how he prunes us and how he helps us. It's, it's not easy. In the middle of chapter 12, he talks about discipline and pruning and how difficult it is. But why? For what comes out at the end. And so he says, get your eyes fixed on Christ. Why? So that you won't grow weary. You won't grow faint-hearted. You won't give up. When we are grounded and focused on Christ, we'll be grounded because and in what he has accomplished for us. And so when you're tired, and when you think with your kids, I can't do this anymore, get your eyes fixed back on the one who can give you strength. When you don't think you can go to work one more day, get your eyes back fixed on the one who can be your strength. When you're not sure where things are going in your life, get your eyes fixed back on Jesus Christ. How? Well, remember, just go back to that first, remember all those people who went before. Remember God's faithfulness in your life. Why do you think he's going to leave you now? He's not. He's going to walk with us through this. He's going to help us through these things. And God is going to get the glory in in his church, in our lives, as we stay focused on our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, so what? So what? To be focused, I need to remember. To be focused, I need to act responsibly. To be focused, I need to live a disciplined life. To be focused, I need to focus on Jesus Christ. To be focused, I need to be grounded in what has been accomplished so that I won't grow weary, I won't get real faint-hearted, and we will see God's working for his fame and his glory. Hey, church, don't go weary in doing good in these days. Don't grow faint-hearted, don't grow discouraged, and we'll focus on Christ and choose to believe what it says in Philippians 1.6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's not about today. It's not. It's about the day of Jesus Christ. It's about what he is going to do. It's about what he's already doing in our lives for his fame, for his glory. You know, what a great day to remember the Lord Jesus Christ in communion. To remember the body to remember the blood so that we don't grow faint-hearted, we don't grow weary, we don't give up, we stay fixed on Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge of this text, Lord. I, I thank you for what you have taught me in this text this week. And help us, Lord, help us. We, we so want to run ahead and get so many things done. And, and so often we, we don't even spend the time before you. Help us, Lord. How do we get our eyes set on Christ? And when we feel like giving up, how do we remember that you never gave up on us? You went all of the way in the shame on the cross so that we could have life eternal. Lord, from that, give us strength, give us courage, give us boldness to walk with our eyes fixed on our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name, amen.